I remember waking up on a helicopter, looking around for familiar faces, trying to fix together exactly what was going on. It didn't register to me that I had just been injured. The last thing I remember uh, was being at Carolina Creek, just hanging out, and then nothing. And I'm on his helicopter. I look over to the helicopter aide, and he gave me a thumbs up. And, and two things I remember from that moment. One, I had a wristband on my arm. It said, Whiskey 1890. And the second thing I remember was my excruciating headache. It was so painful. When I got off the helicopter, they rushed me to a room. They asked me a few questions, like, what's your name? What time is it? What year were you born? Things like that. I mean, things that I just feel like someone should know, and I could not answer that. I remember not having a clue my name, what year I was born, you know, what I did for a living, any of those things. And it was probably frustrating because who forgets those things, right? And then they proceeded to tell me exactly what happened. They told me that I fell off a golf cart and I had a huge head injury and that's why my head is hurting. And I just remember like, man, this is, this is not a good place to be. I remember after that, I went home and my parents came and got me. And I didn't think I would ever come back to Texas. I thought my life as a pastor was over. I thought everything I've grown to love was just completely over. And then I remembered uh, in those times, like, man, like God puts trials and tribulations in our lives for a reason. And I remember trying to get healthy again. I wanted to get back to my job. I wanted to get back to Texas. But the doctor said I need to do physical therapy. And that physical therapy was the worst thing I've ever been through in my entire life. It was taxing mentally and physically. Mentally, because there were things with me that I had to relearn. I had to relearn how to be on balance. I had to relearn how to run without getting headaches. I had to learn how to just do basic, normal things that we don't even second guess. Everything was just thrown off because of this head injury. And it was so frustrating. It was so painful. And I completely hated my life at that time. Doctors told me that I may never remember that incident. I may never remember exactly what happened. I know I've heard so many other stories, but for me, I'll never know what happened that day. So this is the spot where even though you don't remember it, your brokenness kind of started. The whole, the whole thing, like the whole miracle started here. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. But I remember in those times, there was a scripture that really stuck out to me. 2 Corinthians 4, starting on verse 8. It says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not destroyed. When you tell me the story 
it was kind of like hearing the noise that's going on behind us. Yeah. You know, I keep asking myself, why, why, what is happening? What is going on? Why is that beeping still going? Why are people driving behind us? Why are there big trucks everywhere? And I don't have the answer because I don't know what's happening. Yeah. But what's awesome in the moment in my life, and, and I want you to tell us, because I, I believe it's happening in your life, is that God, God took my questions and he gave me answers. Verse 8 says, hard pressed. Hard pressing for me was all the time it took for me to give back to what I loved. All those hours, all those dog's appointments, all those tears I've shed because I just could not understand why my brain couldn't get back to normal. But I was not destroyed. We were crushed. I was crushed in my life. I was at a low point because the only thing I could imagine to myself was, what if I've never fell out that golf cart? How much more different my life would be? It was taxing on me to go to those doctor's appointments. It was taxing on me to be away from my friends. It was taxing to be away from the job that I loved. It was just so hard for me. But God is awesome because I wasn't perplexed. There was still hope in the situation. God was not done with me, and I didn't realize it at that moment. And then he says, we're persecuted, but not abandoned. In that time where I thought that God left me, and I, that time that I thought that I, would, I may never be a pastor ever again, there was hope in that situation because God's not done with me. God is truly not done with me. In that situation, me falling off a golf cart, people have died from less, but I didn't. Give it up for Kale. Kale, where are you? You in here somewhere? Stand up. Second Corinthians four, verse seven. Starting a series tonight called Miracles. And Kale is a true living miracle. I was there at sixth grade camp. We were all getting prepared for everything to happen. And I'm on a golf cart. I'm, I'm trying to get the fastest golf cart of the week. I'm just going to be real honest. And I was switching keys in a golf cart to try to get the fast. Because I got a real slow one and I wanted a fast one all week. And so I was switching keys to get a fast golf cart. And then Ryan Herzog comes out and says, hey, 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 Kale's hurt. And I was like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I've got to get the fast golf cart. He'll be all right. Suck it up, buttercup. And he's like, no, I'm serious. I'm like, I am too. This is important. And then he's like, no, we need to go. So we drove the fast golf cart over to Kale. And when we came up on the scene, Kale was down in a a fetal position just moaning and in bad shape. 
And I'm like, Kale, get up. <laughs> get up. Not funny anymore. Go ahead and get up. Y'all not punking me, okay? He's not hurt. Get up. And then I see blood coming from his head. And then there was a whole lot that went on that I honestly can't even talk about. And it was one of the worst, and I've seen a lot of stuff. I've seen death. I've come up on car wrecks and seen some bad things. And this was one of the worst things I had ever seen. Maybe because it was someone who I love so much. Kale has spent every holiday at my house since he has lived here. He is, yes, he works with me, but my team that works with me, they are my family. And Kale was in a very bad place. It took multiple grown, very strong men to even hold him down because he entered shock and started to overpower about six or seven youth pastors. We then call an ambulance. Ambulance takes a long time. An ambulance comes, take him, takes him to a helicopter. Helicopter takes him downtown. I hop in a truck with Ryan, and we're heading downtown to the hospital. And I am not kidding you, and you, you, can, you can ask anybody that I called in that moment. I really did not think Kale was going to make it. And Ryan and I, I mean, we're crying like babies in a truck going down the road and looking for the helicopter. And we did stop by McDonald's because we were hungry. And we said, Kale would want us to. <laughs> I was starving, Kale, my bad, bro. I just was. It would be a long night. I got it. I, I think I got like a, like a, I don't even know what it's called. I don't think I've had it since, but like, I mean, when I go to McDonald's, my, it's a bad day, okay? Like a double quarter pounder with cheese and like a large chocolate shake. What? All in the name of kale. Like Ryan and I said that like he would want us to do this. For you, kale. And then we get a phone call and it's like, he's doing okay. Turn around. I'm like, what? Huh? And he wasn't doing okay. And there's a lot of stuff that is left out of this video. But man, Kale couldn't even be in the light. Like the light would hurt him. He couldn't even walk. When Kale got into a car to go to Atlanta, he actually said, who are these people? It's his family. Who are these people and where am I going? Kale had to have somebody be with him for 24 hours for a few weeks. Some people thought Kale will never come back to work here because of the brain injury. <laughs> and now he is here. He is one of the most relational youth pastors that I've ever been around. Loves the Lord even more than he did when the accident happened, has an amazing, awesome girlfriend, has life 
just right there ahead of him. And God is using him like crazy. And so I don't want to really give Kale all the glory because he doesn't deserve it. But I want to give God all the glory for where he is at now. When I thought one of my friends and family was no longer with us, God said, <laughs> I got this. So just wait and see what happens. And we read this verse out of 2 Corinthians that, that Kale read beautifully on the film. It says in verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. And here's what Paul is saying right there. He is saying that Paul is saying we have a treasure. Treasure being the gospel. Treasure being Jesus. If you're taking notes, write this down. He says we have a treasure. Something so valuable. And it's in a jar of clay. Talking about our bodies. You know, Jesus decided that he wanted to dwell in this nasty jar of clay. Why would God decide that he wants to live inside of, dwell in something like us when he could have chose anything in the world? I mean, he's obviously not concerned about packaging. I'm concerned about packaging. Like when I buy something and it's packaged well, I'm like, this is going to be awesome. If it's open a little bit or, you know, jacked up, I don't want that. I want good packaging. But God decided that I don't really care what it looks like on the outside. All I care about is what's on the inside. You know, it's, it's, it's like whenever, like, like girls, when you get rings and stuff, the ring box is really nothing. It's whatever. It's what's inside of it. I could go on and on with examples, but the best example is look at our bodies and then Jesus, the creator of everything, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, said, I want to dwell inside of your life. And that's what Paul says right here. Therefore, verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. In verse 8, we are hard-pressed on every side. Comma. We're hard-pressed on every side, this jar of clay. But not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Some of you right now you feel like life is just crushing you right now. And I want you to know, since Jesus decides to dwell in you, you are not abandoned. You feel alone. You feel like nobody loves you. You feel like no one cares. You feel like you're just kind of here. And I want you to know that you are not abandoned if you have Christ living inside of you. Paul 
persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Let me read that one more time. We always, Christians, Paul talking, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, meaning when he died and rose again, we have an opportunity to ask him into our life. I want to know you come into my life. That's what he's saying right here. We always, not just whenever you feel like having Christ, not when it's convenient for you, when life really hits, but no, it says always. Students, catch that. Are you living your life right now in just kind of a part-time Jesus? Or are you living your life knowing that he is always, no matter what happens? Kale Sharp lived and lives a life where Jesus Christ is central always. And I believe that if he was not the central figure in Kale's life, when all this went down, things would have been different. There's no doubt about it. And when life happens and our worlds collapse, is Jesus the center of that? Paul is saying always, and Paul understood hard times. And he says we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life, check this out, so that, why do we have that? Here's why, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body in these nasty jars of clay, saying that if we always carry him around, no matter what happens, Jesus will be shown. I always say, your message is loudest when you hurt the most. Is that true about you? When Kale was hurting the most, it was obvious that Jesus was it. Verse 11, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed, underline revealed, highlight revealed in our mortal bodies. We are a jar of clay. And that's why so many people, when life hits, you are crushed and you cave in and you give in. And people are like, well, wh why does that happen? Why does it happen that whenever life gets hard, we are so crushed? And here's what I would say to you. I would say probably because you make Jesus important on Wednesdays and Sundays, or maybe just Wednesdays, or maybe when it's convenient to you, maybe when life really hurts is when we start praying, or whenever it's Christmas time, we, you know, we come to church, or maybe when it's Easter and it's like time. And so you're not really always 
revealing Christ in you. And when life hits and you get the phone call, you get the text, you, you, you get a message, you roll up on your best friend who is possibly dying right there in front of you. Your world collapses and you say stuff like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to live any longer. I just want to hurt myself. I want to hurt other people. I want to do this. And you just become cranky and you just start saying things that don't matter. And you just become somebody that nobody wants to be around. And your life just kind of caves in. Like Paul says, didn't happen to him, but it's happening to you today. And you're like, man, Michael, you don't know my story. You don't know anything about me. And I, I, I don't. I don't, but I know life is hard, especially I can't imagine what it's like as a teenager. I know my life as a teenager was hard, I, and I can't even compare to what some of you guys are going through. My challenge to you is this, is that you just saw on video and you see an amazing man who is a miracle. And I believe that the reason, like I said, that God, that he is where he is today, where Kale is today, is because he had Jesus Christ center. And his world did not collapse when it could have. He could have thrown in the towel. I talked to him on the phone when he was in Atlanta. It was such a great moment. Because I was like, Kale is not coming back. I was saying it. I was telling my wife. I was messed up, y'all. It was a hard season for me. And when he called me, I was like, And he didn't talk about anything, but he wanted to come back and he wanted to serve Christ. That's it. He said, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I, I, I was like, well, get, get right first. Hold on. And he did it. So my challenge to you is this. Is Jesus really the center of everything right now? and he's kind of holding you up inside? Or are you really just kind of weak right now and at any second you could collapse and cave in? Because the enemy right now wants to destroy all of you and me. And he wants us to cave in, he wants us to fail, and he wants us to be destroyed. But when you are having Christ Jesus the number one center of your world, you can say this. We are hard pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we are not destroyed. Why? Because we always carry around Jesus. Can you say that? If not, I pray that tonight you're like, I'm saying that. I, I like that. I can now say that. And maybe right now you're in this room and you're a jar of clay and you are just empty. And you need to fill that jar of clay with Jesus Christ. Maybe that's you tonight. And I want to give you the opportunity to take Christ and place him into the center of your everything. And so with no one looking.